Thanks for downloading this podcast. podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be rebroadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy by searching iTunes for Radio Le Mans or visiting RadioLeMans.com. This is RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. Greetings, everybody. A warm welcome back to the World Endurance Championship for 2019-2020. My name's Johnny Palmer, and we're about to get set for qualifying for the fourth round of this latest uh, year, effectively, the season that spans two calendar years. We've had, of course, the super season stretching from 18 into 19. This, the first proper winter championship and four races will be done by the end of 2019. Four races still to go after this point. A new calendar has been announced this weekend as well, heading forward into the hypercar era. There's plenty to chat about, not least the fact that we've got two doses of 20 minutes of qualifying to come right here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. The FIA World Endurance Championship on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. So welcome along. Uh, we you are about four and a half minutes away from qualifying for the LM GTE Pro and AM uh, categories. And then we'll look forward to the LMP2s and LMP1s as well. Delighted that you can be with us uh, wherever you are around the world. Uh, a reasonable time on a Friday afternoon in the UK to be dealing with qualifying then, uh, which is uh, about to get started at uh, 4.40 local time in Bahrain. And the Ferraris, number 71 and 51 of AF Corsa, looking beautiful under their pit garage lighting, about to be wheeled out then onto the apron. And a rather reflective-looking James Collado presumably part, uh, set to be part of this qualifying, although not for the first dose. A reminder that unlike perhaps European Le Mans series qualifying, unlike Formula 1 qualifying, there are actually, there's the need for two separate drivers during this 20 minutes. 5.4 kilometre circuit with 15 corners at Bahrain and welcoming this track back to the WEC uh, calendar for the first time since 2017. But, yeah, bearing in mind that it's nearly a five-and-a-half-kilometre track, you've got to do an out-lap, a quick lap with driver one, then an in-lap, and this is the quickest possible time you could do it in. Switch your driver to driver two, and then do the same again, and then your uh, time for the grid is determined by those two individual uh, times set by two separate drivers. Paul Dallalana, Ross Gunn, Darren Turner, the lineup for the new lineup at Aston Martin number 98. If you're in GTE AM, you must include your bronze rated driver in the qualifying process. And then the second driver isn't completely free in terms of choice. So it could be the silver, it could be the uh, gold slash platinum. In pro, it doesn't really matter who you use because they're all essentially factory drivers. They're all as quick as uh, one another, theoretically. And therefore, it is entirely down to the team as to who they use. When we get to LMP2, uh, there has to be a silver in the combination in LMP2. Some 
teams also utilise a bronze, but the silver at the very least has to be involved, along with, again, a free choice of driver. LMP1 doesn't really matter, similar to GTE Pro. Jimmy Bruni and Richard Lietz's names on the number 91 Porsche, and that is Jimmy Bruni, the Italian clambering on board. I mentioned at the start of the broadcast that uh, the much-anticipated calendar for the 2020-2021 season uh, has been confirmed. It's still only a provisional calendar at this stage, heading into the hypercar era. Um, no real prizes for guessing that the first round is going to be the uh, a visit to Silverstone, but gone is the idea of a six-hour race, which we had this season, this year, uh, back in... August slash September of 2019. It was the four hours of Silverstone. That's going to be a six-hour race now on the Sunday, the 5th of September, and joined on the same bill as the European Le Mans series. Then, over the weekend, the opening weekend of October, it'll be a visit to Monza, which has become a part of the ELMS calendar uh, for the last couple of seasons. So clearly that is liked by the ACO. A trip then to the track not very far away from Milan in northern Italy. And the six hours of Monza will be the 4th of October. Then onward to the flyaway races. Uh, You'll notice an absence of Shanghai here, but Fuji is there. Again for a six-hour race on the 1st of November. So Japan included. Bahrain to represent the United Arab Emirates and the uh, eight hours of Bahrain on the 5th of December, so effectively this uh, race a weekend earlier going into the new year. And then into 2021, it'll be the six hours of Kailami, and a first ever visit for the WEC to South Africa, and clearly recent visits to Kailami, I think by some ACO staff members as part of the um, SRO uh, recent meeting there. They obviously liked what they saw in South Africa and uh, what Kailami, the new track, has to offer. So that is the 6th of February for the six hours of Kailami. 1,000 miles of Sebring on the 19th of March will be the same weekend as the 12 hours of Sebring. So a Friday race for the WEC and a Saturday race for the IMSA affair. The 24th of April will be the six hours of Spa, as, by the way, the green flag is now waving for the start of the GT session at Bahrain. Six hours of Spa on the 24th of April, and then the final round with an increased amount of points on offer for the 24 hours of Le Mans. It's crazy to be talking about the Le Mans 24 hours in 2021, but that will see the end of the hypercar year, season, across the weekend of the 12th, 13th of June. That is way, way off in the future. Much closer at hand is a GT session, which is waved green, as I say, at 4.40 local time. This will take us through till 5 o'clock exactly, and then we will have 20 minutes of LMP1 and LMP2 times. Uh, but uh, if you take to the track now, it's going to be relatively quiet. One car taking advantage of that is the Gulf Racing number 86 Porsche. That car no longer in Gulf colours, but it changed, lost its sponsorship from Gulf after the entry was made. So it's still going to be known as the Gulf Racing Porsche, although with a very different paint scheme. And under the lights looks very stealth-like indeed, with its uh, black livery and the uh, orange stripes. 
Eduardo Freitas looking after the session as usual. He is the Portuguese race director. And no doubt we'll hear Eduardo through the course of the session. If uh, a, so a full course yellow is necessary or local yellows as well, then Eduardo often pops up on his uh, ability to broadcast all cars simultaneously. Uh, one car not taken to the session early on is, I reckon, one of the AF Corsa Ferraris. Yes, uh, the 71 car not yet involved with Davide Rigon sitting at the wheel and ready to go. And already streaming across the line for initial times, the 86 Porsche, as I say, first out. So it looks like the MR Racing Ferrari not yet to join the session, but uh, there's plenty of time. Although having said that, it will disappear rather quickly, bearing in mind two drivers are required. Taking a watching brief there down at Gulf was, well it's not Ben Barger because he's currently at the wheel. That was Mike Wainwright I reckon, ready to clamber on board at uh, roughly half distance in the session. As far as the championship is concerned, Kevin Estra and Michael Christensen currently lead GTE Pro after three races, they being the four hours of Silverstone, the six hours of Fuji and the four hours of Shanghai. And Estra and uh, Christensen, the Frenchman and Dane, respectively, winning the last time out and getting two second places in the other two races. So they're on 62 points and lead by 10 over Jimmy Bruni and Ricard Lietz's Porsche. As far as car numbers are concerned, not really in GTE Pro we deal with car numbers, but the Estra Porsche is number 92, and the Bruni and Leeds car number 91. Then Marco Sorensen and Nicky T, they are on 47 points and currently third in the championship ahead of Alex Lynn and Maxime Martins, Aston Martin, so that would be number 95 uh, ahead of number 97. As far as GTE Am is concerned, Charlie Eastwood and Johnny Adam and Sally Yolich, who drive for Aston Martin but not the work squad, the TF Sport uh, machine, which is number 90, they top the championship on, uh, on 58 points, just by three, therefore, from uh, Manu Collard, Francois Perodo and Nicholas Nielsen, who were the pace setters after the first couple of races. But Eastwood, Adam and Yolich, winners at the four hours of Shanghai. And bear in mind that the four hours of Shanghai carried the same amount of points as the six hours of Fuji. It's only when we get to the very long races here in Bahrain and also at uh, Sebring in the new year where we get uh, a slight increase in points. I'll tell you about uh, how many points are on offer in just a second for the eight hours of Bahrain. But it's the 88 car that is currently fastest, which is uh, one of Christian Reed's Porsches ahead of the number 56 machine which is the car from uh, Team Project 1 so Matteo Cairoli pilots the 56 car second fastest but it is the 88 car that is currently uh, quicker than that with Thomas Prining at the wheel the young Austrian driver so Prining driving for Dempsey Proton Racing doing a two 
No, going quicker than the 2.41 that he initially set. That was an outlap. Prining's fastest time, a 157.109. And that is 0.171 of a second faster than Matteo Cairoli in car 56. Larry Tenvorda, part of the 57 crew once again, as he was in China, effectively uh, replacing Felipe Fraga. And I can only imagine that, again, Fraga is in a situation where he's, he's clashing with his usual challenge of the uh, Brazilian Stock Car Championship. And Felipe Fraga, a real talent from South America, but clearly his target is to try and win the Brazilian Stock Cars for 2019. And therefore, teammates uh, Ben Keating and Jeroen Blakemolen have welcomed back uh, Ten Vorder, the Dutchman, to the squad. And Ten Vorder put out for qualifying, doing a 157.898. It is now Nicholas Nielsen, though, that tops the times in Am, at least, in car number 83. So they were championship leaders for AF Corsa after a couple of races. Now trailing in the championship, as I say, by just three. So that could be switched around very easily this weekend at Bahrain. And 25 points is uh, your maximum for a standard four-hour slash six-hour race. But as I say, this weekend, as far as points are concerned, um, you're looking at 38 points for a win. And that is the case for this round four in Bahrain and round six which is the thousand miles of Sebring next March so 38 points on offer together with a point in this session as well for pole and there's a point on offer for each of the four classes qualifying this afternoon and then when you get to Le Mans uh, next year 50 points is the amount you would win for a win so exactly double whereas uh, 38 one and a half points over the line goes the Aston Martin of Alex Lynn and Alex at sixth fastest when he combined both GT categories together fifth fastest in pro but we have a new name at the top of the times as far as GTE pro is concerned that is Michael Christensen in the number 91 Porsche 155.342 already back in the pits the number 92 Porsche and number 92 Jimmy Bruni, uh, sorry, 91 is Jimmy Bruni, 91 is Michael Christensen. So Bruni's gone even quicker than his teammate to the tune of a quarter of a second. So let's now see what Bruni's teammate can offer. As also at 92, Michael Christensen clambers out and Kevin Estra climbs in. But it's the sister car, 91 after Richard Leitz's fabulous time of a 155.342. Sorry, Jude Bruni's time, 155.342. And Richard Leitz is now going to have to try and uh, at least get close to that to make sure that the 91 Porsche stays at the sharp end. Interestingly, there are no extra drivers included in the GTE Pro lineup. So clearly everyone's set for some He-Man stints, four hours and... Four, and change each for James Collado and Alessandro Pierguidi in 51 uh, Miguel Molina and Davide Rigon in 71 Molina the Spaniard taking over from Sam Bird in the winter period after Sam had a difficult choice to make between the WEC 
and the Formula E campaign that he is contesting over the next 12 months or so. 91 and 92, I've mentioned the Porsche drivers and it's the usual suspects at Aston Martin, Michael Christensen, sorry, Marco Sorensen and Nicky Team in 95 and Alex Lynn and Maxime Martin in number 97. The other Porsche, number 91, the faster of the two, is back in pit lane, by the way. So that'll be Jimmy Bruni to hand over to Richard Leitz, the Austrian driver. New set of Michelin tyres going on as well. Bear in mind that uh, rubber is heavily restricted in the race slash qualifying sessions of this weekend. Uh, so you need to use as, as little uh, Michelin rubber or um, Goodyear in the LMP2 category as possible to make sure that you've got enough to lean on for an eight-hour race. Johnny Adam is now at the wheel of the TF Sport Aston Martin in its uh, blood-red livery, as Charlie Eastwood described to us earlier on in the campaign. I think that was at Silverstone. Through 14 and 15 that come at the drivers uh, in very quick succession indeed. 15 is basically the kink that uh, straightens up the main run to the line. So 14, the actual corner, and then a very slight right-hand kink is turned 15 on this 5.4-kilometre circuit in Bahrain. As over the line goes Giancarlo Fisichella in the 54 Ferrari. That is the Vistajet-sponsored AF Corsa Ferrari in the silver, red and white colours. And Fissi coming to the end of his run. So third position in GTE Am the best that he can muster and he is currently behind Thomas Prining's time number 88 for Dempsey Proton Racing and the 83 Ferrari of Nicholas Nielsen who is the very rapid Danish driver who's come through uh, Ferrari Challenge Racing in Europe having won the big feature final event uh, the back end of where are we 2018 as the Japanese-flagged MR racing car of Motoaki Ishikawa, sharing with Kei Cozzolino and Olivier Beretta, works its way through turn number three. So this is how we sit with pretty much all the GTE Pro cars in the pits, the only exception being Nicky Team's number 95 car, which is now rejoining the session. First time already set, therefore, by his teammate Marco Sorensen and fellow Dane Team taking over with some work to do because the 95 Aston Martin is in sixth position but the time's topped by the two Porsches who are the championship leaders the slightly more silver car is second fastest by 0.275 of a second but number 91 of Jean-Marie Bruni quickest with a 155.342 then it's Christensen with a 155.617 the two Ferraris of A of course come next 155.808 for 71 now being piloted by Miguel Molina and the 155.824 was offered by James Collado's teammate in 51 which is which is Alessandro Pierguidi big lockup for the 83 Ferrari which results in a half spin as well and that is the new driver I reckon in an 83 yeah Francois Perodo with a mistake on Coolish Michelin tyres manages to get it straightened up but that's going to be nightmarish now for Frenchman Perodo to try and well muscle a decent time out of that car bearing in mind he's flat spotted pretty much all four of those Michelin tyres that car is 
the fastest, and that was on his outlap as well, so he hasn't even started to... Well, no, he has done an outlap, I beg your pardon, and I guess that's that was the start of a quick lap, so he's going to have to gather his thoughts again and hope that he's not done too much damage to the fresh rubber. To the top of the times goes the 86 Porsche of Mike Wainwright. That is basically because it's the first car to set two individual times. Ben Barker did the first one in car 86, and now Mike Wainwright's done a 157.977 and puts that car uh, just a smidge over a tenth of a second clear of the 98 car. And has car 98 done a second fastest time as well? I believe it has. So that'll be Paul Dallalana in the 98 car. 70 goes to third, and all these are leapfrogging the GTE Pro lineup because 91 Porsche, 92 Porsche, 71 Ferrari haven't yet set times with driver two. But that'll all establish itself in the next, we'll have to, in the next five and a half minutes because that is all the time that remains. So Mike Wainwright's effort at 158.397. Compare that to Ben Barker's time, 157.5. Gives the car an average of 158.397. And as I say, temporarily puts the 86 car to the top of the session. Very wide moment indeed for the 77 Porsche a couple of seconds ago. That was from young Australian driver Matty Campbell, who's wasting no time at all. So who was out for the first bit of qualifying for 77 Christian Reed has to have been because he's the bronze and now Matt Campbell as the platinum going out to uh, to set a time as well and Campbell's effort in 77 just looking for his time is still outside of the top 10 71 goes third fastest 51 goes fastest though and that's a 156.201 for Ferrari 51 James Collado then backing up Alessandro Pierre Guidi's effort and when you join the two times together add them and divide by two uh, that puts a 156.201 as the best effort by three and a half tenths and change quicker than the Aston Martin number 97 of Alex Lynn and Maxime Martin I wonder Paul Howarth of Aston Martin Racing was looking a little bit suspect at the screen. Can the Aston Martins eke any more time out? It's uh, slightly concerning for the 97 and certainly for the number 95 car of now Nicky Team. We don't know, of course, what they're doing as far as tyre strategy is concerned. Will some GT Pro teams be brave enough to only use one set of tyres in qualifying and keep the best of the rubber back for the race? Another spin for a Ferrari. This is the number 70 car, which is having to rejoin the track at a very slow speed indeed. That's Motoaki Ishikawa. So Ishikawa, the second driver into the 70 Ferrari. And again, just a bit too much right foot coming out of one of the slower speed corners for the MR Racing Ferrari 488 GTE Evo. They're all Evos now across the board because Evo... The Evo Ferrari uh, specification is now a legitimate machine to run as a customer car in GTE Am. Although the Evo in Pro has had a, a little bit of an upgrade through the summer period. Now, out of turns 14 and 50 goes 
Marco Sorensen. So apologies, it was Nicky Team in for the first stint and Sorensen, his compatriot, to take over. Team's effort, 156.401. Or have Aston Martin been that quick to actually pit again and change back to the original driver? What I'm not getting on my screen is the amount of times that that uh, Aston Martin has pitted, but there's nothing in the regulations that prevents you from changing back to driver one effectively and doing another switch around to try and improve driver one's time. The choice made much easier in GTE Pro this weekend because there are only two drivers to utilise. And it's going to be interesting to see how those pro uh, teams... AF Corsa, Porsche GT team and Aston Martin Racing uh, look forward to the race. Are they going to double stint their drivers or literally put one driver in for an hour and a little and a little bit, probably an hour and three or four minutes and then possibly change every single pit stop? It will depend on the strategy that they are wanting to put into the race, bearing in mind that uh, fueling must take place now separate from the tyre change was toyed with in the WEC and the ELMS as well where you could do the tyres at the same time as fueling but much more interesting from a strategy point of view to split those processes in the pit stops and then the teams have an active decision to make whether they double stint tyres or not or indeed triple stint at times. Uh, Kevin Estra sauntering away from Porsche 92 I think that's pretty much all we're going to see from the Porsche GT team cars and they've done a very special thing indeed with this brand new Porsche bear in mind it's had an upgrade as far as the engine is concerned it's still a, a mid-engine Porsche but 4.2 cc's now uh, still the flat six and uh, Jimmy Bruni running over to Richard Leitz for a quick chat as well but they're in no hurry to rejoin either because their Porsches are half a second clear of the rest of the field. The 91 car has done a 155.485 as a combined time and the 92 car just six hundredths of a second slower its combined time of 155.545. No wonder Kevin Estra was just sort of walking away a little disconsolate because he's missed out on a pole position but it is going to be a Porsche DT team front row lockout for the pro category but what about Am that's still very much up for grabs the young Turkish driver Sally Yolich crosses the line in Aston Martin number 90 and that car will stay uh, in ninth position in GTE uh, Am the other thing we've not mentioned is the success ballast being carried in GTE Am which is a new thing again for the World Endurance Championship uh, success ballast is based on your championship position but also your results in the previous two races so the four hours of Shanghai and the six hours of Fuji uh, if you are winning or have won all three of those so i.e. championship leader and winners at Shanghai and Fuji you could carry a maximum of 45 kilos we don't have any cars though that are in that situation but uh, it's 15 kilos for each of those as the chequered flag waves I'll run through in greater detail success ballast in tomorrow's coverage of the race we'll have plenty more time to talk about it but the 57 car looking very very strong here a difficult start to the year as there are double thumbs up from Jimmy Bruni and his teammate Richard Leitz down at Porsche they will take a pole position, wiping the sweat from the brow Giancarlo Fisichella, who is in conversation with uh, his teammate at AF Corsa, Francesco Castellacci. But it's Thomas Fleur who's been put out in car 54, and they are only 
43 thousandths of a second away from a potential pole position in GTE Am. Is that decided yet? Still waiting for cars to stream across the line despite the chequered flag being displayed in the Am category. 57 though looking very well placed. Ben Keating, the Texan driver who is the bronze, out for Team Project 1 then and putting in a very good time of a 158.116. That is 1.1 seconds slower than teammate um, Larry Tenvorda, the Dutchman, but it looks like that's going to be enough to give Team Project 1 a pole position in GTE Am. Ahead of the 54 crew, the Vistajet-backed car of Thomas Fleur and Giancarlo Fisichella. Let's hear, though, from the from uh, pole and, citizen uh, Porsche. Porsche. success in both Pro and Am. Yeah, I mean, uh, for us it was really a good uh, team effort uh, after we worked very hard for the free practice uh, to set up the car for, uh, for the race. And we didn't know actually what was uh, qualifying because we didn't, never tried and we, we were only focused for race. So let's, let's, let's do it. And, uh, but, you know, uh, it was very good, a very good uh, lap from Richie and uh, in a hard situation and never tried the new tyres and uh, so amazing. Six hundredths of a second between you and the 92. Uh, Jimmy's just mentioned it there. Were you on a new set for your run? Yes, we both uh, had a new set. Uh, after Jimmy's fantastic lap, we saw that there is a chance for the pole position, so we decided to use a second set. Uh, so now we got this extra point, which is uh, with a nice, it's a nice one. And uh, yeah, we try tomorrow to stay in front, uh, have clean air, uh, save the tires because uh, Bahrain is hard to the tires, and it's going to be hard eight hours. Okay, thank you. Look forward to it. Thank you. So, second voice you heard there, Ricard Leitz. The first was Jean Maria Bruni. And yeah, they moved to 53 points now in the championship standings and to within nine of Kevin Estra and Michael Christensen. We're certainly set for a, an interesting fight between the two Porsches all season long. But at the moment, it's tough for Ferrari and Aston Martin as they try and bridge that gap. 91 Porsche with a pole position, and that is the first of the year for Jimmy Bruni and for uh, Ricard Leitz. 155.485, and just six hundredths of a second separate that, that car and the 92 of championship leaders Kevin Estro and Michael Christensen. Then the two Ferraris, AF Corsa, 51, a half a second adrift of the two Porsches, James Collado and Alessandro Pierguidi, ahead of the other Ferrari of Miguel Moliner, number 71, along with teammate Davide Rigon. Then fifth fastest is the best of the Aston Martins, number 95, Marco Sorensen and Nicky Team. Relatively late to the boil. What happened to 97, though? Because Maxime Martin must have had a time deleted there. I certainly saw Alex Lynn's time registered correctly as a 156.253. So the Brit was first out. The Belgian has at least done a lap because he's triggered the timing loop. But what he hasn't done is done a time... That well, it might be that he's not set a time that is legal by the officials, so maybe breaching the track limits. And Belgian driver Maxi Martin perhaps having times deleted. I'll need to check that between now and tomorrow. But the 97 car is going to have to start from the back of the field because it hasn't posted a second time. We've seen this for a couple of teams earlier on in the year as well, as Ben Keating is now working his way away from his yellow and black Porsche. And we're going to hear from Larry Tenvorda, who is Ben's teammate once again down at Team Project One, chatting with Louise Beckett. Well, the car is still in scrutineering, so you can't even celebrate with Ben Keating yet. No, not yet, but when he's here, we're going to do it. I already did with uh, Jeroen, and uh, 
That's, I mean, I'm still shaking, you know. Uh, it was my first qualifying now in the, in the WEC and uh, yeah, was a bit nervous in, uh, in front of the, pre- of the qualifying. But uh, yeah, now pulled together like a team and uh, it's amazing. I can't describe the feeling, you know. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. Larry Tenvorder, just 23 years old, actually born in Germany in Salzbergen, uh, but uh, Dutch, as you can probably tell from his accent, and has come through the Porsche Super Cup with one win this year and five podiums to back that up. Finished fourth in the Porsche Super Cup Championship with MRS GT Racing and is a Porsche specialist. Uh, in fact, started off in Formula Renault 1.6, the Northern European Championship at junior level, and then ever since 2016, uh, never looked beyond Porsches. So you can see why Team Project One have utilised his talents. As he says, first ever qualifying duty for the Dutchman and with Jeroen Blekemolen as uh, a bit of a mentor, fellow Dutchman, of course, Blekemolen stepping aside and allowing young, young Ten Vorder uh, to do qualifying. Well, it's all come good because the 57 car will start from pole position uh, in GTE AM with a 157.602, a combined effort. Uh, Larry's time, a 157.0, and Ben Keating, a 158.1. And that means that that Porsche will start alongside uh, Khaled Alkubaisi, who returns to the World Endurance Championship this weekend. Great to have Khaled uh, back in the lineup at uh, Christian Reed's outfit, Dempsey Proton Racing. 157.661 is the combined time for Khaled Alkubaisi and his co-driver, Thomas Prining. It's been a bit of a revolving door at 88 this year. And how many drivers have we had uh, for the 88 Porsche so far? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight different drivers. This weekend, it's Adrian Delina, another Belgian. The driver based in the UAE, Khaled Alkubaisi, as I've mentioned, and Thomas Prining. Uh, but at the first round, we had Gianluca Girardi and Ricardo Sanchez. Round two, it was... Satoshi Hoshino, the Japanese, joined by Adrian Delina. And then Will Bamba and Angelo Negro, you may remember, for the four hours of Shanghai. But again, a little bit of a switch around at 88. Well, doesn't seem to have affected them because they're second on the grid in GTE AM. By the way, the wheel guns you can hear in the background are tyres going on in LMP2 and LMP1. Looks like Charlie Robertson's been installed into the number five Team LNT, Janetta. More on that in a second. Just give you the rest of the top six in GTM, though, beyond 57 and 88. Uh, so it's actually a Porsche front row in pro and in AM to show how dominant the customer car is. That's not the new car, bear in mind. So uh, the, the standard four-litre flat six in Porsche's 57 and 88, but they're still very, very quick. Ahead of the 83 Ferrari of Francois Perodo, who had a spin in that session, and he qualified along with Nicholas Nielsen to third on the grid with a 157.690 as a combined effort. The other team project won Porsche of Egidio Perfetti and Matteo Cairoli will start from fourth place. And to join them this weekend, it's David Heinemeyer Hansen. He's done, he will have done by the end of this weekend, three races of the four. Had to miss Silverstone because there was a new addition to welcome to the Heinemeyer Hansen family and all went well uh, over the Silverstone weekend. So David's been back racing ever since. Uh, That car will start from fourth place. Fifth position, the 86 Porsche of Mike Wainwright, Ben Barker and Andrew Watson, the Ulsterman. And it was Wainwright and Barker on qualifying duties. They set a 157.977 as a combined time, puts them fifth on the grid ahead of, in sixth place, the 98 Aston Martin 
of Paul Delalana and I think it was Ross Gunn. If, if it wasn't Ross, it was Darren Turner. I have to admit, I missed that at the time. But 158.002 is the 98 uh, combined time. Let's just run you through the numbers elsewhere in GTE. And I think it's quite crucial to point out that the 90, the 90 car, TF Sport Aston Martin, uh, way down in seventh position but it is heavily ballasted because it is the championship leader and also it took victory last time out so the 90 car gonna have to do it the hard way from seventh position in gte am uh, but that weight is going to hurt the car and the tires across an eight-hour period no doubt about it i mean it's, it's arguable of course that success ballast far more costly in a longer race uh, than it would be in a four-hour event 20 minutes of qualifying for lmp1 and lmp2s now underway as uh, so I just reel off the rest of these numbers in GTE Am 62 car 8th which is the Ferrari of Red River Sport the 70 MR Racing Ferrari 9th position 10th place for the 77 Porsche of Dempsey Proton Racing again that's carrying ballast and another car that didn't set a second time so Thomas Fleur has obviously had times deleted as well and the car has only set one time, a 156.903. So both, it would appear, the 97 Aston Martin and the 54 Ferrari at this stage going to have to start the race from the back of the grid, unless, of course, they apply to the race officials and through some method of force majeure, uh, manage to start in the mid-pack. But it looks like two cars are going to be stragglers. As we turn our attention then to five LMP1s, and to nine LMP2s. LMP1, uh, very much about the hybrid cars, which are the two Toyotas, the seven and the eight, and driver names against those initially, Mike Conway in car seven and Sebastian Buemi in car eight, but neither car has actually joined the session as yet. And we're not going to talk about success ballast in this category, but rather success handicaps, because in order to slow down or equalise the field uh, compared to the car lowest in the championship in LMP1 uh, through a, a various methods, including ballast, but also restricting the hybrid power, restricting the amount of fuel that can be burned on a, a single lap, restricting how much fuel can be put into the car at every pit stop. All these things are equalised to basically give rebellion and to give the LNT Genetas slightly more of a chance, more pace across an eight-hour period. Uh, remember, at the four hours of Shanghai, both Toyotas were uh, stunted by the same amount. Well, this time uh, we have a championship leader, clearly, and that is in the form of Brendan Hartley, Kaz Nakajima and Sebastian Buemi's Toyota, car number eight. So going to expect that the seven car is going to be marginally faster than the number eight, but... The Rebellion should be even quicker than that because the Rebellion is currently third in the championship. That's Bruno Senna, Gustavo Menezes and Norman Nato who are on 43 points and therefore trail Hartley, Nakajima and Buemi by 19. And there is a point on offer in this session as well, depending on who bags pole because, I mean, arguably the Ginettas are in the best position because they are further down in the championship. Therefore, they have been handicapped the least amount and is the door wide open, therefore, for the drivers at Team LNT? Lawrence Tomlinson's outfit, based, of course, in Yorkshire. Because they are non-hybrid customer entries, they can't 
be officially known as Ginetta, so the entrant is Team LNT, but they are Ginetta G60 LTP1s, powered by the latest AER spec engine, which is now the C spec, and this engine has proven itself to be pretty much bulletproof through the course of four and six hour races. Let's see how it can get on over an eight hour period and indeed over 24 hours at next Le Mans. The lineups at Team LNT in car number five, as already mentioned, Charlie Robertson, joined by Ben Hanley and Jordan King once again. So an all British lineup there. And Chris Dyson for his first race in the World Endurance Championship, coming back from injury racing uh, one of his heritage machines in the US and that was um, during what July time when the prologue was happening at Barcelona and sadly Chris with an off which resulted in him damaging his lower leg from memory, it might have been an ankle injury actually and it prevented Dyson from taking part in the first round of the season at Silverstone and indeed rounds two and three in Fuji and Shanghai respectively so Chris Dyson is finally into the lineup in car number six and will be joined by Mike Simpson and Guy Smith who are the, uh, the Yorkshire representative the 22 car which is being driven by Paul De Resta, Scotsman from West Lothian in Scotland, although based in Monaco these days, uh, driving in that Orica, which is again new to the team. Big lockup there actually for De Resta heading into the tricky left-hander partway around the lap, but an indication of how hard De Resta's pushing, because bear in mind he's going to have to hand that car over to Phil Hansen sooner rather than later. Again, a 20-minute period is going to disappear very quickly indeed. Early pace setter, although just on a single lap so far, is Bruno Senna in the number one uh, Rebellion. And I haven't mentioned an awful lot about the Rebellion so far. There's only one. We did have two at uh, Silverstone, but that was a guest entry and not eligible for championship points. The regular championship entry is Gustavo Menezes, Norman Nato and Bruno Senna. And this Rebellion R13, powered by a normally aspirated Gibson V8, 4.5 litre, the GL458, which is basically an uprated version of the LMP2 engine. LMP2s, uh, you could have different chassis within that, although set to get even more restricted. Uh, and principally, the Orica 07 is the fastest car you can have in that category, purely just that's a fact. Uh, as the Cinetech Alpine Elf car goes a touch wide... Again, at the same corner where Paul DeResta was having difficulties. Um, but in LMP2, we have got other chassis manufacturers represented. The Alpine A470, which is the car that's just outbraked itself into uh, turn eight there. Under the skin, that's still an Orica 07, but uh, a bit of badge engineering labels it as an Alpine. And the only non-Orica 07 is the car from Cetilar Racing, Italian outfit, running an Italian car. Unsurprisingly, Delara P217 but the similarity is that they're all powered by the same 4.2-litre Gibson engine from uh, Repton in Derbyshire. What we do have, though, is a tyre battle in LMP2. That's the only category where tyres are different, and it is a scrap between Michelin and Goodyear, the Goodyear runners being the two Jota Sport-entered cars. One is entered as Jackie Chan DC Racing of China, and the other one is the first ever Jota Sport official, Jota Sport entry in the WEC. So both cars 37 and 38 are on the Goodyear tyre. 
and also the high-class racing Orica 07 of Anders Fjordback, Mark Patterson and Kenta Yamashita on Goodyear rubber. Other than that, everybody else is on Michelin tyres. So United Autosports Racing Team Nederland with their 29 car. Uh, Senior Tech on Michelin's as are Cool Racing of Switzerland and Cetelar Racing of Italy, as already mentioned. So, um, haven't yet got any second times in. And only now are Toyota starting to set times as well for Mike Conway and Brendan Hartley in cars 7 and 8. But on first times, it's... uh, Congratulations to Bruno Senna, who is very, very nearly six-tenths of a second clear of the two Toyotas. So, again, the success handicap is working nicely here, certainly on single lap pace. It tends to be a different ball game when we get to the longer stints, but 142.396 is what Bruno Senna has offered in that uh, Anglo-Swiss uh, rebellion. Then the two Toyotas. Brendan Hartley is quicker than Mike Conway, so eight faster than seven. That's not the way we expected it to be because eight is higher up in the championship than seven, so technically seven should be a touch quicker. But for whatever reason, Mike Conway not able to eke out an extra, what, four-tenths of a second to be quicker than Brendan Hartley. So 142.986 for Hartley, 143.446 for Mike Conway. And both of those Toyotas now are back into the pits. Is there going to be enough time left in the session for maybe Mike Conway to get back on board and try and improve on that time? 11 minutes and 11 seconds remain on the clock as darting from one side of the track to the other on the main start-finish straight is Charlie Robertson, currently fourth in his number five, Janetta, 143.559. And for Mike Simpson, it's a 143.609. Again, tyres could be the defining factor here and Arginetta actually holding back the best of their rubber on what we know and has been confirmed by the Porsche lineup to be a highly abrasive circuit here at Bahrain. That's not only to do with the asphalt makeup but also the fact that it's in the desert so there's an awful lot of sand being blown across the track and that causes nightmarish conditions for tyre wear with uh, the sand getting into those grains of sand getting into the tyres, but also creating quite a bit of wheel spin. Uh, A cleaner track means less tyre wear, but uh, they're going to be fighting, I guess, a fair bit of strong wind through the course of eight hours, which is going to disrupt aerodynamics along with pure grip as well, mechanical and aero grip. Over the line goes the rebellion of Norman Natto. That's driver two then with, well, Bruno Senna, with a raise of the eyebrow to one of his mechanics, does he feel like he's done enough? Certainly six-tenths of a second would suggest so, as now taking over at number seven, Toyota is the Argentinian driver, three-time um, world touring car champion, Jose Maria Lopez, coming back to um, aero-dependent cars, having had a great campaign, of course, in single-seaters, well before his touring car days and now being signed up by Toyota for the remainder of this season going to be interesting to see how many of the drivers are kept on at Toyota into the hypercar era Mike Conway speaking to me earlier on in the year could not confirm or deny whether he was going to be driving a hypercar in less than uh, 12 months time we'll wait and see Anders Fjord back in the number 33 car at high class racing in their blue and black car then on the Goodyear tyre is currently in third. 
and you know, Jose Maria Lopez just checking out the eyesight there. I think that's more of a case of just making sure he's focused for the session. But trying to get into the zone. Various drivers have different ways of doing that, and that's clearly Jose's method. 145.953 briefly puts the 26 G-Drive-backed car to the top of the times. G-Drive in for a guest entry. Uh, normally an ELMS car. We have seen this machine in um, competition in the World Endurance Championship as well, but it won't be eligible for points this weekend. So even if the 26 car finishes the session quickest, it won't get the point for pole because it's not a full season entrant. Car 26 is being driven by Jean-Éric Verne and uh, it's a 145.953 for that car. Another off-track moment for Signatech Alpine, by the way, and making the error there. Ooh, quite a big error, in fact, actually finding one of the rare gravel traps around this circuit as well. Was that heading into turns 14 and 15 at the end of the lap? I reckon it was for the uh, Alpine A470. And now that car rejoins. That was Pierre Rag with the mistake. So we've had a couple of difficult moments for that car in this session. Not all of Rag's doing because the initial mistake, I think, came from Andre Negrao, the Brazilian driver. And now uh, silver-rated Pierre Rag taking over. Normally, he is a very safe pair of hands, certainly when he's piloting a Duquesne Engineering LMP2 car in the European Le Mans series. Over the line goes Phil Hansen, who has taken over from Paul de Resta in car number 22. There's also been a driver change at Racing Team Nederland. Guido van der Garde taking charge of the 29 car after it was Fritz van Erd to set the initial time in car 29. Fritz doing a 150.419. Guido van der Garde, I'm sure, will be quicker because Fritz is the bronze and is the... Uh, is the... CEO of Yumbo Supermarkets, hence the sponsorship in the very Minardi-looking Yumbo car. Big fan of Minardi is Fritz van Erd and adopts a similar paint scheme from Minardi a couple of decades ago. And it's an all-Dutch lineup for that crew. Nick de Vries is the third at uh, car 29, but Nick not being given qualifying duties this weekend. Heading into the pits, Gabriel Aubry, who is the Frenchman at uh, Jackie Chan DC Racing. Gabby Aubry still rated as a silver, just 21 years old. And Gabby actually might have been made now gold. I'll need to check the latest FIA driver rankings, but crucially if you've already been signed up in the world endurance championship for a full season entry regardless of whether you've been bumped up a grade for 2020 uh, you will stay as the grading that you started the WEC season in so uh, that is good news for people like Gabriel Obrey also Jop van Outert who is officially now a gold heading into 2020 but can stay as a silver with the teams that he started uh, ELMS and WEC campaigns in in 2019, of course, going into the new ELMS season, then Jot van Outer must adopt the new gold rating. Five minutes to go. Lick of flame. Several occasions for the 36 car there of Pierre Rag as it goes through the gears. And that car not picking up the pace 
down the main straight. So that car bailing out of the session. And with only now four minutes and 50 seconds to go, that could be all that we see of the Signatech Alpine Elf car. Again, damaging tyres. And these are tyres that they can not really uh, afford to to treat badly this early on in the weekend. The 33 car somewhat all over the road as well and struggling to turn in at that tricky left-hander. Lots of mistakes being made there into that left-hander that brings the cars onto the the back straight which runs parallel with the start-finish line. That's always a, has been a tricky corner though through the years. I remember in Formula 1 as well it's posed problems and certainly in this session in the prototypes you're relying on quite a bit of aerodynamic grip it's into turns nine and then ten is the really tricky one you approach nine at very high speed but you're having to turn left it is slightly off camber and slow the car down together with finding the clipping point at turn 10 as well having to do all those things in one go is a bit of a challenge particularly for the lesser experienced drivers Chetelar Racing's Roberto Lacorte now heading down the back straight between, turn, between turns 10 and 11. And going through the timing loop at the end of sector 2. Sector 1, by the way, is timed from the start-finish line towards the left and right flick at turns 5 and 6. The middle sector runs from there to just beyond the exit of turn 11, which is the left-hander at the end of the back straight. And the final sector, pretty high speed, although there are two crucial corners within that, turn 13 and turn 14. Uh, and good runs through those two right-handers determine a very good lap time because they go on to long straights. And obviously, if you make a bit of a Horlicks of the 14th corner, then that really does hamper your pace down the start-finish straight, which is where Lacorte uh, goes across the stripe and ticks off another lap. Lacorte has just done a 150.972. That puts the 47 car eight fastest, but only because we haven't yet seen a second time from Pierre Rag. It's still the rebellion, though, that is uh, clear of no longer Toyotas, but actually now a Ginetta of Ben Hanley. So the number five Ginetta sneaking onto the front row there and saying that the car comes down pit lane Ben Hanley's done a 142.688 compare that to his teammate and uh, thinking back who did we have in for the opening stint it was Charlie Robertson who did a 143.559 so Charlie with a 143 Ben with a 142.6 that puts the number 5 Team LNT Ginetta quicker than both Toyotas who are relegated to the second row Still car eight faster than car seven, interestingly enough. Although the gaps come down between the two, it's no longer four-tenths of a second. It's now three and a half between car eight of Kaz Nakajima and Jose Maria Lopez, who was testing out the eyesight ahead of his run. A minute and three quarters still to go in the session, so there's still opportunity for the LMP2s to improve. But with both Toyotas now parked up in the pit lane, there's another off for... No, that was the same one, I think, from a couple of seconds ago. Unless Pierre Rag has repeated the feat... He might have done, you know, sideways through the same gravel trap. This has been a, well, an attention-grabbing stint for Frenchman Pierre Rag. And having to clean the tyres on one occasion, and possibly now two for car 36. But that's a nice, neat and tidy line coming out of turn three. Reaching the end of the first sector, and now powering his way down towards a tricky turn eight, which is the right-hander. 
that then takes him towards 9 and 10, where many cars have been falling off in this 20-minute long session. So that car, number 36, with some work to do, still looking for a time from Pierre Rag after he has... Uh, Struggled to keep the car between the two white lines, and I'm sure that's the only reason why it's not posted a time yet. Being penalised for abusing the track limits, the Frenchman. On the flip side, though, United Autosports going very strongly indeed, so much so that they've parked their car. Uh, Paul DeResta doing a 144.869. Phil Hansen taking charge and doing a time more or less a second slower. 145.846, uh, whereas... The rest is time, 144.869. And that puts the car faster than the 37, Jackie Chandisi Racing Orica of Gabriel Obrey. And was it Hope in Tongue who did the first time at 37? If it wasn't Hope in, it was Will Stevens. But that car, second fastest when you combine the times. It was Will who went in for the first stint in car 37. So that's the front row provisionally in LMP2. We're not going to see an improvement, though, from either of those cars. So the chequered flag is now out. Paul DeResta, was that even a wry smile on the Scotsman's face? Not sure. Concerned, look, if anything, from Philippe Albuquerque. But I don't know why, because they have managed to get pole position for United Autosports. So uh, Grins... From Zach Brown, who is the co-owner of United Autosports as an outfit, along with Richard Dean, of course, the Anglo-American team. Let's get some reaction, though, with Louise Beckett, who's now about to grab Norman Natto from Rebellion. Well, it wasn't uh, necessarily an easy run, but you did it. Well done. Yeah, yeah. We that was the strategy. We knew it was a bit risky, but as we decided before the weekend, we know the key point this weekend will be the race and the degradation of the tyres. So that's why we decided to go only for one set. So yeah, it was risky for quali, but it worked. So yeah, we did an amazing job, I think, because uh, it wasn't an easy one. I had to push, and I got my uh, my first lap. Uh, Cancel. I didn't expect that to be honest because I was like on the limit, but still, like I felt that I had some margin. So yeah, no, with happy the two in a row. It's a, it's a <laughs> two in a row. It's a good one, and uh, we need to finish the job tomorrow. Well done. Thank you. That's actually the first crew to repeat a pole position after Silverstone. It was the seven Toyota on the front row and bagging a point. The next race in Fuji, the number eight Toyota took pole position and that was partly because of success. Handicap, of course, kicking in. Shanghai was a first pole position ever for Rebellion with their R13 and they've now done it back to back and crucially, perhaps for the race, on a single set of tyres. I reckon that was Toyota's game plan as well, though, for the eight and the seven. I'm sure very shortly indeed we'll be hearing from the United Autosports pilots but before we get there, here's confirmation of the times. Rebellion Racing with another pole position for season 2019-2020. A 142.7, uh, 142.979, I beg your pardon, a combined effort for Norman Natto and Bruno Senna. Team LNT's Janetta sneaking into second place and onto the front row then for Ben Hanley and for Charlie Robertson. Their combined time, 143.123, ahead of the two Toyotas. And I'm going to gamble in saying that those, those Toyotas utilise just one set of tyres each again. The eight car qualifying uh, quicker than the seven 
and therefore car number eight will start on the inside of row number two alongside the system machine. But it's the eight that leads the championship. Then the number six, Ginetta of Guy Smith. And here is Paul DeResta oh, now with Louise Beckett. right on the limit at 9.10 there. So uh, how did you keep it together? Yeah, it was a bit of a mistake, but it's, it's always difficult going into a session. Uh, we're so limited running, new sets of tyres all weekend. And uh, I never had a new set in any preparation of FP2 and FP3 uh, to get myself into it. So... I knew it had to be on the limit. Uh, listen, we wanted to get pole position. It was the last chance I was going to get this year to get a pole. Uh, I've missed it in DTM and I've missed it all the way through this week until now. So uh, we wanted to nail it. But listen, it's a long race ahead. Car's been in a good zone. But, you know, it, it kind of flatters where the car's been all year. It's been at the sharp end if we do a very good job. And I think today uh, we nailed it. Stunning lap. Well done. Yeah, so as you mentioned, United Autosports first pole of the year. And uh, a chance finally for Paul DeResta to add that as a credit to his name and the 22 car will now go to post-race, post-qualifying rather, scrutineering for all the uh, regulation checks. But uh, I'd got as far as Ginetta. So Guy Smith uh, uh, posting a time of 144.165 to put the car number six into fifth position. And then we are into the bank of LMP2s. Did everybody manage to set times? Yes, even the Cinetech car uh, got a second time in eventually, but Pierre Rag had to have several goes at it and is still actually running round uh, only now on his in-lap. But United Autosports get a pole, car 22, after a great lap from Paul DeResta and Phil Hansen within a second of that effort. Again, did they keep the same set of tyres? I wouldn't be surprised because tyres are at such a premium for the race. 145.357, though, for the Anglo-American team. Ahead of Gabby Obrey and Will Stevens' effort, 145.649 for the Jackie Chan DC Racing uh, Orica 07 on the Goodyear tyre. So we have got a tyre battle on the front row of LMP2, intriguingly. And that's repeated on row two because the 26 car of G-Drive Racing, the guest entry this weekend, qualifying in third position, not eligible for championship points, but it could still have a say, of course, of how the race result goes. That car will start from third place uh, alongside the Jota entered number 38 car, also on the Goodyear tyre. And it was Ant Davidson who finished the session with a 146.091, giving the car a combined time of 146.4. Then... Again, it's a Michelin and Goodyear effort on row three of LMP2. So this is fifth and sixth in the category. Cool Racing, Antonin Borger, 147.818 his time. And he is sharing again with Nicolas Lapierre and Alexandre Quani. So it would have been Lapierre and Borger out for qualifying duty. That car finishing in fifth position in the session ahead of the Goodyear shod high-class racing 33 car of Anders Fjordback and... Probably Kenta Yamashita uh, because, yes, Fjordback is the silver, so Yamashita the gold, and that will have seen them uh, fine for qualifying. Mark Patterson did not have to take part because he's a bronze. Then it's the 36, Cinetech Alpine Elf car. I think that's quite a false position for that machine. Could go quicker in the race, but they had various problems, mainly off-track moments in qualifying. So that car will uh, start from 7th position, number 36, with a combined time of 147.725. The 29 racing team Nederland, Guida van der Garde and Fritz van Erd piloted car, 148.899 for the yellow and black Jumbo car to start from 8th. And finally, the lone Dallara from Chetelar Racing will start from ninth position with Roberto Lacorte doing the final bit of qualifying there to give the car a 149.474.
So there we go. Two qualifying sessions dealt with very swiftly indeed. Under the lights at Bahrain, we have a grid that is set for the fourth race of the season 2019-2020. A calendar, of course, as well for the brand new hypercar era, which is getting many, many people excited. But it'll be the first eight-hour race of the season tomorrow and all live here on RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. It won't just be my voice, Johnny Palmer, throughout the course of that, but also going to be joined by Bruce Jones uh, for the eight hours of Bahrain. Uh, Countdown to Green UK time-wise will start from 11.20am, and that will take us through till the race start, which is midday in the UK. Eight-hour race, so it will be done by 8 o'clock tomorrow night, and post-race tech will follow at roughly 8.15 and we'll have uh, what a good sort of half an hour or so to get our teeth into, well, new business for the hypercar season, but also we'll be at that stage halfway through the 2019-2020 season as well. So I'm sure there'll be many questions and queries that you'll have to offer us for that. Um, if you go to the RadioLeMond.com website, wherever you are around the world, then it will do the calculation for you as far as broadcast times are concerned. Delighted that you could be with us throughout the course of qualifying, and if you miss the start of it, it will be available as a download as a podcast in the next uh, what half an hour or so. My thanks to Tim Gray, who's been the producer here in London and it remains for me to wish you a very good rest of uh, Friday and be sure to join us tomorrow for the coverage of the eight hours of Bahrain right here on RS1. Bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com